you know, we are always in a rush and we're moving forward. We don't actually don't look back. This is Sue Freck, and I'm your host of the Happy Marketer Connection podcast, brought to you by Vesta. Each week, along with my guests, other fellow passionate marketers, we'll explore engaging and inventive marketing strategies and toast brands making impactful consumer connections. Please kick back, relax, and join our happy half hour of marketing inspiration and positivity, and come away a happier and smarter marketer. I'd like to welcome this week's guest, David Rich. David is the founder and CEO of several companies with very successful exits, but most recently, he's the founder and CEO of Palabra. More to come on this business. David is an entrepreneur, investor, adventure seeker, Ironman athlete, climber, world traveler. He's literally traveled the world with his family, father of three, and married to an amazing woman, Allison. David is also one of the co-founders of my current company, Vesta, formerly known as Social Media Link. During this podcast, you'll learn more about his passion project and why we chose the theme storytelling. Welcome, David. Hey, Sue. Great to be here. Love having you, David. You know, we, we have some of the best experiences and stories, and that's why we picked this week's theme of storytelling. I also do tell people it's you're one of the best storytellers because of your experiences, but we'll get into that more later. So again, this week's theme is storytelling. We know that it's authentic, it's an emotional element, but it's actually a, a true gift. You know, a good storyteller has this curated skill. We know that those stories that have an impact are compelling, they're exciting, they're emotional. And David has built his newest venture, his passion project named Palabra, and it's all about leveraging that art of storytelling, and we'll talk more about that. But he found his passion and his gift in connecting curated small groups of people and inspiring a very different kind of event through this authentic storytelling. So I can't wait for David to share more about that. But before we start that, David, I do have an icebreaker specific for you. You have a bucket list. Is your bucket list written down? You know, all you've checked off so many things, and again, we'll get to that. But is it written down? Do you have these things? Listed. Yeah, you know, in the, I will say this. In the olden days, I did. I was fanatical about lists, and I had them all down. I'm happy to say that most of them are checked off. We've done like a very, very good job in sort of accomplishing it all. However, as you sort of explore the world, you sort of find, and you speak to other people, like all of a sudden this list that was like, if I just could do these 50 things or I could just do these 100 things, my life is complete, but then you speak to other people and you like understand that there's so much more to do, which is an exciting thing. And I think that sort of, sort of part of that journey has sort of made me understand that this is so much more than about having a list. So I've actually sort of thrown the list out and I'm just sort of taking sort of each experience as it comes as sort of a, a unique gift sort of in the world. So what's on your list right now? You must be working towards something. You must have a goal, something that you and and Allison, Allison is David's wife, who I do hope to have as a guest on the podcast one day, but what's on the list right now that you're working towards? All right, I'm ashamed to say this is not gonna sound adventurous or sexy at all, but <laughs> uh, I'm obsessed about my sleep. And we hear a lot about sleep, which you know, related to like how many hours did you get last night and so forth. You know, my quest is not even so, it's not so much with hours, it's just more sort of quality of sleep. Um, and then related, because there's always sort of a, a thread here. I've started, I finished, I should say, I finished 
an amazing book called Breath by this author, James Nestor, came out like a few months ago. Highly recommend it. Nice. Uh, like one of like the big, big points there uh, was that a lot of us breathe through our mouth. We're mouth breathers. And I don't know if anyone's ever been in a yoga class and have done things, but sort of believe it or not, like mouth breathing can adversely affect your health. That we're actually supposed to breathe through our nose. Uh, that's sort of like the ideal uh, way to go during the day, but also at night. Fortunately, uh, my wife will attest, I'm not a snorer, so snoring is not a problem. However, what I have sort of found that if I focus more on breathing through my nose, my quality of sleep is so much better. So I've gone to the extremes. This is going to sound so crazy, but I am actually have mouth tape on when I fall asleep. So my mouth is shut, um, so I can only breathe through my nose. And, and you don't feel like you're drowning or you can't breathe or not at all. And then, you know, some of these companies have sort of really capitalized on the product. So it's not like literally there was duct tape across, you know, yeah. mouth. you can use medical tape or some of them have like a small, small hole for like breathing a little bit through your mouth. So you're not uncomfortable, but I have to say it's greatly improved my sleep. And that has sort of taken me down this crazy road because Sue, you sort of mentioned a little bit about sort of adventure and I yeah. love to, you know, Years ago, it was all about marathons, then it was triathlons, and then, um, and still to this day, like very much I love climbing mountains, but the one thing which I'm starting to explore, and I'm going to get certified on, is free diving. So it's this whole idea that people go underwater without oxygen, and some of the best people out there can hold their breath for 12 minutes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, 12 minutes would be an incredible, incredible accomplishment. I don't expect to do that, but I do want to travel a bit. Um, I want to go back to Belize and to Hawaii and New Zealand and do free diving. And um, that's sort of my next big thing to do. And it's great because it's all aligned in improving my health and traveling. They, all these themes sort of come together. So I love when that works out. And that's what I love about you. I guarantee you there isn't a listener that has free diving on their bucket list. <laughs> Maybe now after talking to you, and I certainly don't, as you know, I'm deathly afraid of sharks in the ocean. I didn't swim the ocean for 10 years because of sharks. So that will not be, and Belize will be on my bucket list, but not that. But that's what I love about you. So David, that's one of the special things is these experiences. Talk to me about what Palabra is, and then we'll get into why Palabra events, how this got started. Cause I think, you know, I've been to two, three events and it's so cliche to say life-changing, but it is so inspiring. So just talk a little bit about what it is and, and how you got started. Well, let me start off with a great quote, which is by John Dewey. It goes as follows. We do not learn from experience. We learn from reflecting on experience. And that essentially, is what Blabra is all about, and really is what storytelling is all about. Um, so Palabra, the sort of origin of Palabra, sort of goes back a few years ago when we had the uh, good fortune to live in Spain for two years. This was another one of my dreams, which was live in another country with my family. And uh, I was really struck when we were there, just how open and friendly everyone was. Like, I felt that in a matter of two months, we made more friends and had deeper, deeper relationships than people who I've known for two decades wow. in New York City. You have a lot of friends. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was just through that experience. And when we were coming back, because that was always the plan, we were going to sp spend a little time there and then come back and, and whatnot. 
So when you're coming back, I was like, how can I keep this going? You know, how can I go from Barcelona is where we were living and come back to, to New York City and sort of keep that energy flowing, which is for those who have experienced New York City, whether you're living or working or even visiting, it's a wonderful, incredible place, but, uh, you know, people are always in a rush to get to one place, to the next, uh, having a deep conversation. I don't think a lot of people have had deep conversations with anyone uh, in New York, um, or at least, yeah, it's hard to have. I always say it's like going against gravity. So I wanted to slow things down, and we came back. I just started putting together these events, and it usually was around a dinner, and I'd invite 12 to 15 people. That's sort of the magic number I found. Um, I've tried events with 16, 17, 18, completely different vibe. So I cap it at 15. And I would just pick a topic that I was curious about. And some of them would be sort of big topics, like, you know, how do you live an epic life? I just wanted to get a bunch of people in the room and see how they sort of defined what a good life live yeah. was. Another, and this was one of my favorites, um, and I've done this a few times, was what's the difference between religion and spirituality? Mm, and it doesn't sound like a joke, but it really isn't. Like I literally yeah, got- there is a difference. I literally got like a rabbi, a priest, a monk, a yogi. I mean, oh. Oh my uh, gosh, amazing. So <laughs> the room just to have a discussion on it. And that's all it was, it was a discussion. It's not a debate. And to stories where stories sort of come into it is, these are not about who's the smartest person in the room. It's just about people sort of sharing their views and their experiences. And through that, well, certainly it's great entertainment and people can learn a lot from one another, but just being able to focus on a question. And I always send out a question ahead of time for people to answer in about a five minute story. A lot of times people don't really, you know, we are always in a rush and we're moving forward. We don't actually don't look back, you know, and sort of make sense of all the things that have happened. So in some ways it's, it, it was great for a lot of these people because they were able to sort of share stories that they never shared before. Um, so that's how it sort of started was just sort of this desire to be more connected with my community. And then over the years and when I traveled, we would go to places. I didn't know anyone in these places and I would just through my network sort of connect with people and I would have these dinners, whether it was in New Delhi, India or Cape Town, South, <laughs> South Africa. Um, and I'd get, yes, 12 to 15 people come up with a topic and just learn so much, just learn so much. So I was doing these dinners and it was more of a passion project of mine, but everyone kept saying, David, you're an entrepreneur. You've you know, started several businesses. Like, why don't you make a business out of this? And it just kind of felt funny. Like, why would I make a business, you know, out of, out of these events? But I'm a huge believer that whenever you're providing value to the world, there's always an opportunity to do something with that. So uh, the last year or so, I sort of came up with the task of like, well, if I was to do a business, like what would that look like? And what would the business model be? Uh, and I have to say, it's been a, a great, great adventure, like all the other things that I've done sort of personally <laughs> and professionally, but a challenge for sure, a challenge for sure. And I don't want to jump ahead, Sue, and you're the one doing the interview, <laughs> not <laughs> I, uh, but it's been really fascinating with sort of the times that we're living through right now with yeah. COVID-19, because here I had this business that was based off of getting people together. It was usually... Breaking bread and having a great meal and great wine and great yeah. conversation. And yeah, like March 13th, depending on where you were in the country, it was, it was sort of all over. But I have to say like really quickly, 
because I still had this desire. I mean, I think we all had a desire to connect. More than ever. More than ever. Uh, and I was on sort of my share, like we all have been on these like Zoom happy hours, which were fun to a point. Um, but I was like, how can I take this experience and do it on Zoom or, or the equivalent? And uh, yeah, my first event was sort of early on. It was actually on resilience. I thought that was a great theme to sort of right at the beginning of this, because looking back, I think we all realized this um, did and still does require an amazing amount of resilience. So I did get a group of people together. Funny, just with the numbers, as I said, when I do the events, live in like a private room in a restaurant or someone's home 12 to 15 is the magic number right. i sort of found when it comes to doing this virtual eight to ten Less. is the magic Less. number so, yeah. so the first one i did was nine people and it was on resilience and it was really incredible it was nine people telling their stories you know about in the past when they had to use resilience to get through a tough situation and that was as i said it was good for them to be reminded of that but then it was also great to sort of hear that story because if you're going through things it's, it's great to see how people came out the other side to get there so dinners because i want for the listeners because i've been to the the dinners it is very difficult to explain the power of one of your events and now now again i was what one of the earlier ones we were in napa and incredible it was on food and nutrition and you just had an incredible incredible group of people but it is very challenging to talk about it how how do you explain to somebody so they understand what that value is so you're inviting them to the dinner how do you explain to them what, what they're going to experience or what the event will be like and sort of what the rules are because otherwise it sounds like just another dinner party which i know from experience it is not yeah i mean I think what we're doing is something pretty different, you know, and unlike yeah. typical conference, you know, where a group yeah. of people listen to one piece of content created, you know, yeah. by one person, sort of, I always say sort of the one to many, um, these events are very interactive and they're very collaborative. Um, mm -hmm. As we mentioned, we harvest stories and share experiences. And that's what's so cool about it is that every event, I talked about doing this event on resilience. I could do resilience every night of the year, but based off of who's in the room, it's a completely different event. And also what's kind of neat about it is a lot of times people come, as I said, I send out a prompt, a question ahead of time for people to think about just for a few days. I don't want to give them too much time, but people come prepared to tell a story. But then once they start hearing other people's stories, they change it. So it's very typical. I've heard 30 to 40% of the people change their story in the middle of the event. You know, because maybe they're going to share a professional story, but then someone opened up a bit and they want to share a personal story. Or maybe they were going to say something personal, but someone shared a story and it sort of jogged their memory of a different experience. So that's typically normal. So I, it is a little bit, it's terrifying, but so exciting at the same time for whoever's moderating it. In many cases, I am, but I have other people who, who do this for us because every night is different and it's a little bit like a improv show Ooh, that's a but great example yeah, yeah of course there's there's a, a structure to it i mean the other thing which makes it a little bit different is this is not a networking event i mean sure people are gonna meet people for the first time but the purpose of this is not networking it might happen in the end but that's not why we're doing this just trying to build bigger connections with people and from a business perspective because many people are gonna be like okay 
that's really nice, but how is there a business here? Which was a big question that I was asking myself. So when I sort of look back in my business career, where some opportunities to connect, you know, might be, I was like, think about just in a sales pipeline. Okay. It's kind of funny when we think about business, and I'm sure you can relate to this, is that we don't get to know our customers until after the sale is done, until the contract is signed. And say we flip that a little bit and we actually got to know them and they got to know us before all that happened. Like what a difference that could make in the relationship and how much better could we work together upfront opposed to waiting for the relationship to develop six, 12, 18 months from now. So it's really from like a pipeline perspective, it's great. And it's a win-win. It's not just for the company who's selling products, it's for the company that's buying products as well. Another thing is just client satisfaction. I think it's a great, great opportunity to get some of our current clients together. Some who might not, they might be in the same industry, but might not know one another and just hear stories. Like Sue, I remember you were at one event in the last year and I believe it was, it was making your mark and it was all about, and I think we got a few brand managers and related people in the consumer packaged good business together. And it was all about legacy. Yeah. And a lot of times when we think about legacy, we sort of think about it in like the grand scheme of our lives and what are we leaving for our children and our grandchildren and, and, and the world. Right. And this sort of angle of this was more about the legacy that we're sort of leaving in our, our business, you right. know, and our time, you know, at the company and what we do and how that affects the person who's coming in, you know, after us, how that affects people in the company, how that affects our greater community. So it was just a really fascinating conversation that might not have never happened right. if we have that evening together. And then the other thing, and it sort of makes sense, is just the idea of sort of developing teams. And Sue, you know this from, you know, the startup world, you know, it's like when you're putting a company together, you know, it, same thing. It can take months, if not years for a team to gel. And the idea of putting together an event for the team where we go maybe a little deeper and ask questions that we might not normally ask. And most importantly, we share our own stories. As I said before, this is not a debate. This is not about who is the smartest person in the room. This is not about who is the most successful person in the room. This is just about our life experiences. And it's just a great way to build trust amongst a team when we're sharing these stories. I love it. Those are all great examples. And there's so many more, you know, I mean, it's, we're talking about investors and, and board of directors, obviously internal teams, um, clients, and even, you know, like you were talking about prospects. I think of all of the prospects that I have, if I had a different relationship with the people I was working with, it, you know, it becomes more meaningful and inspiring. Everybody always wants to know what failed, what didn't work as you were going through <laughs> your years, because um, this wasn't an overnight project. I mean, most people say, okay, so David, you started these dinners and now you've got a business around it. What's, what's this, been, this journey been like? What's worked, what hasn't worked? Oh, it has been a journey. And uh, I mean, to be honest, the, the biggest challenge was turning a passion project into a for-profit business. Because, you know, a lot of it is I didn't want to take away what was so special about these events because I was turning it into a business. And to some degree, I've sort of held myself to that standard that when I do feel it becomes more transactional in nature, I think that's sort of my signal, like to sort of keep things as is. But that 
was a real challenge. And, you know, a lot of times we start a business, we start businesses because we have a problem or we see a problem out there. And then the whole idea of, and whether this is a new business or this is a project that is done internally in a company, we've sensed that there is a problem out there. And then we spend all our time developing a solution for that problem. I've been doing the exact opposite, which I don't recommend, but I think it's going to work out okay, is that I had this amazing solution. (laughs) And then I've been sort of thinking about like, okay, where's the problem here? So there's been a lot of sort of hit and miss. Uh, My recommendation for everyone is it's generally best to sort of find the problem and then come up with the solution opposed to the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. That makes it Challenging, but I, I actually, you know, I think in you explaining why you did it, you are solving a problem because this is building relationships, making connections, whether in person or online are more important than ever. And, and again, I struggle to share with people how impactful these events are. Um, and I just say, you just have to try it. <laughs> you just have to go, you have to trust me. And, and I think that's the word of mouth piece is that if it's someone in my close network, they would. They would go and they would trust me and they would come out having the same feeling that I have. Do you have a favorite dinner? Do you have a favorite quote, a favorite experience that you can share? Is there any one that just for you, because you've done how many now? I don't even know how many, how many events you've had, but is there something that stands out? I'm going to tell you something that stands out only because it was one of the more recent events I did. Because <laughs> that's like, here I am talking about, we ask big questions. Like you asked me a big question. There's a lot to sort of go through and sort of think about the, those experiences, those events, and who was there. I will say recently, and when I say recently, this was like last week, we actually did a new theme, a new event, and it was on generosity. Mm. And you think about it, and this was sponsored by a philanthropic couple, and they run a nonprofit themselves, and they were, they're experiencing what a lot of nonprofits are experiencing right now is you know, right now, deservedly so, a lot of restaurants are getting, a lot of businesses, but restaurants are getting a lot of press because it's, it's awful. The numbers are just so scary of how many aren't going to be able to come out of this, out, out of COVID-19. When you think about a nonprofit, you know, and how their business model is, and a lot of these nonprofits are dependent on one big drive a year, which is usually a big event, you know, they've yeah. all been canceled. And further it's hard to get people to give money in days like these when right. people are concerned about their own yeah. security certainty, yeah. right, right. And safety. So we thought it would be great to get a group of people together for discussion on this. Now their, their suggestion was, you know, since many times depending on the, on the situation, but big financial decisions are made as, as a couple or as, as partners, would it be interesting to have two, you know, <laughs> people representing. So I was like, oh, wow, I didn't think about that. So normally it's like eight, nine Zoom boxes kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we kept to that. But in each Zoom box, we had That's two cool. people. Uh, <laughs> but what was really fascinating about this event was, well, two things. First of all, the couple was willing to match up to $1.4 million wow. yeah. in donations to a nonprofit. They put their money where their mouth is and they said, hey, if you give, we so believe in this, if you give, like we will match it, which was great, which was an awesome incentive for getting people to come to this event. And so that was one. Two, so we had 16 people, as I mentioned, sort of on the question was, what is the most 
generous thing someone has ever done for you. Nice. nice. And as in all fairness, that's a, that is a big question, particularly when you sort of qualify it with the, the most. Yeah. And the couple got to sort of choose who told the story. It could be a story maybe about them together. It could be something that happened sort of prior to their relationship. Well, all I can tell you is the stories were incredible. By the way, most people didn't know each other. But the other thing, because I always love to sort of piece things together while the event is happening and, and certainly after the event. So we heard eight incredible stories. And what was fascinating about it is not one story, not one story had anything to do with money. Wow. It was just yeah, all about, incredible. you know, generous acts, people doing something, people caring, people sort of being there when you thought that they that they wouldn't be there or no one would be there. Yeah. Uh, and it really it really struck everyone in the crowd. And then when that happens, yeah. I think we've all, we've all experienced this, that when someone gives to us, it motivates us to want to give to others. And whether that's directly back or just, you know, in the world. So that was a sort of a big learning and it was really a, a special moment. And as I said, these were, most people didn't know each other. This happened over Zoom. It was two hours and it was really incredible. And you still receive the influx of thank yous after people, because that's also, you've shared some of those with me. I mean, it is really incredible what people say after your events. But this is what I love about it. And having um, been in business for 25 plus years, having lots of clients, like, you know what it's like, and many people might know as well, to get a testimonial, like what that oh, is shit. like. It's like bending over backwards and sometimes they have to get approved and sometimes you feel funny asking or people don't know what to say. Yeah, really challenging. I was on the right track with this is that just, they just flood in. Like I don't even ask for testimonials and they yeah. just sort of pour, you know, pour out like the next day. And what's also cool about it, because we, we've been in the position of giving testimonials yeah. and you're always sort of worried, like, what am I going to say? How, how's it going to look? Am I right? Right, 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 right? It just comes right out. It's just easy because it's sort of based off of a, a great experience that people had. Yeah. Interested in building a home for your audience? Our Vesta solution powers online communities, giving your consumers a home for a world of engagement and connections. To learn more, visit us at vesta-go.com. So David, you were a co-founder with me of Social Media Link, which we've rebranded to Vesta last Monday, which is super exciting. So we asked our community members, we're about 1.2 million community members right now. We asked our community members a series of questions. If you could ask a brand marketer, a marketer, anything, what would it be? So I'd love for you to answer this question. I think is really fit for what we were talking about. But the smiley member question is, what inspires you, particularly during this time period, COVID-19? What keeps you motivated? So were you motivated for yourself, your family, your business? But just talk about this experience for yourself. We're sort of riding out. COVID-19 in Brooklyn right now. New York City sort of is a tough place to be for anyone go, you know, going through this. This is the epicenter, sort of where it all started, at least in the United States. And I'm just amazed, particularly now that we can walk outside, feel a little more comfortable, as long as we're wearing a mask. I'm just amazed just how resourceful business owners are. Um, like in my neighborhood, like we don't have, there's no indoor dining yet. Um, but it's so great to see how people are using parking spots and sort of setting up like their own sort of terraces and doing boxed lunches or cocktails. It's just, it's amazing to sort of see the entrepreneurial spirit 
yeah. out there and people doing what they- And that resilience you talked about, right. And I, I even found myself today sort of walking to the supermarket and the coffee shop that we normally go to in pre-COVID times, which, which we love. The owner was out there sort of sitting out there with his dog and I just walked up to him. I was like, I just want to let you know <laughs> that we will be back when you are open. Like we will be the first in line. And uh, he yeah. was appreciative, appreciative of it, but I was just so appreciative of him and sort of what he has brought to the community and really inspired that he's hanging in and doing the best that he can. Um, and we will get through it. And I think that's sort of the the tough thing for all of us because it seems like this will go on forever. Uh, the last couple of months has certainly feel like forever depending yeah. on, the, on the day, but we will get through the other side. And through a lot of the events that I've done because we've done a few on, I, I mentioned we did it on resilience. We've done on navigating change. A fun one we've been doing recently is the great reset. Sort of like what we're going through is not a pause button. Like this is a reset button yeah. and how we can just reset it. everything. Yeah. Just do things differently. Yeah. So I do think, and it's funny, we talked a little bit about the digital aspect of it, particularly when you're in the event business. I think when we get out of this, and I don't think it's going to be a day, this is going to be sort of a gradual thing, but I don't think the virtual events are going away. And I think there's a time and a place, even when we can gather in a restaurant or go to a sporting event, I think we're going to come out the other end and you know, we've developed a product here that is going to work great. So we'll have virtual events and of course we'll have live events as well. So I think a lot of these businesses, it's like no different. The businesses are going to change. We've seen restaurants that their menus are now getting pared down a bit. I think one of the changes that are going to come out of this is this, this idea of simplicity. Yeah. So when we come back, I think their businesses could end up being bigger and better and certainly stronger than ever. This is just sort of a a, a tough spot, but it's just great to see, you know, it's a word that we've mentioned a few times, but just resilience and that people yeah. are getting through it. And that's why I just love, I love about New York, but I just love about the, the U.S. It's just yeah. like the can-do spirit. Yeah, and it, it'll be a new and bigger and better. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it already, things different and changing. Um, but to your point, the Zoom calls, video calls, how we're doing business today is going to change forever. And um, to your point, we will get through this as well. So just in wrapping up, David, do you, you know, you are one of the most interesting people I know. I wish we had hours to tell all the stories of the travels you've had, places you've gone or places that people read about or put on their bucket list or don't ever make it to you to, do you have a positive story? Do you have something that you can leave our listeners with? You know, what are you focusing on um, right now for yourself, for your business? I just would love, you know, my podcast is the Happy Marketer Connection, trying to bring some positivity in the world. I think your entire session is about positivity, but what, what can you share with the listeners as a positive story that you might have? Well, my wife was pregnant with our twins. I was training for the Ironman triathlon. I know you're probably saying, oh yes, of course you were, David. That's yes. <laughs> and that was one of my bucket lists like long, long ago. And I really don't say that to brag. At the time, as I mentioned, my wife, Allison, was pregnant with twins. We actually had a one-year-old, uh, our oldest daughter, Samantha, at home too. Kind of crazy. Also sort of unfortunately at the time, my brother-in-law was terminally ill with, with cancer. And at that time, I was raising money for sarcoma, which was uh, the rare cancer that uh, he had. Uh, good news is like we ended up raising over $125,000. Uh, it accomplished like, my lifelong dream of completing an Ironman. Um, sort of the funny part about that 
was while I was at the awards ceremony, not because I won the race by, by any stretch. <laughs> uh, I was getting something because I, was, I raised all this money. And uh, I was at the awards ceremonies and I get a phone call that she was in labor. So oh like God. after finishing, you know, this is like a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, 26.2 mile run. I had like jump in my car and drive, you know, five and a half hours back home. It all worked out, you know, everyone was born and healthy and it was all good. But I say this because at the time, like every metric in my life would have told me like, why are you doing this crazy event when you have like one small kid plus two on the way? But kind of reflecting back at the time, I just realized even then that there was like, there was never a good time right. to do it. And I sort of started off a little bit with a, with, with a quote, um, and I want to end, you know, in a quote, there's just Tim Ferriss quote that says, someday is a dream that will leave your dreams unfulfilled. Wow. So for me, it's just like looking at our life and sort of putting off the, the some days. And yeah. I think that's really a reflection of a lot of things that I've done personally and professionally. And it's just something that I put out to everyone in the audience. That's amazing. I, I say that our theme was storytelling, David, yours, it should have been inspiration. I think that people will be so inspired. I think what COVID-19 did for a lot of us, is it let us check off things in our bucket list that we wanted to maybe do locally, or certainly I start, picked up painting again. And um, I think there's skills, but I think that could be a lesson too. Like, don't let those things fall off your list, you know, set those goals and there is never a good time. <laughs> that is, that is, you, you have three kids. I have three kids. We, you know, running a business, starting a company. Um, there is never a good time. And when you look back and everybody tells us this, when you look back on life, you're not going to remember the, the, all those things that, that you didn't do. And you're going to remember the things that you actually went out, set out and, and those experiences that you achieved. So I'm inspired as always, David, um, where can people find you find Palabra? I encourage all listeners to connect with you because you're such an inspiring person and have some incredible stories to tell. But just because if you have a chance to host a dinner or attend a dinner, it's incredible. Where can people find David Rich and Palabra? Well, like most of us on LinkedIn, for sure, David J. Rich. Also, website, davidjrich.com. But most importantly, with Palabra, palabra.co. Excellent. And I encourage our listeners to reach out to David. Um, he has some more incredible stories to share with everybody and certainly attempt to get invited to one of your events. But thank you so much, David, for your time again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sue. Thank you so much, David, for sharing your adventures and the art of storytelling. To hear more stories and lessons from Happy Marketers, be sure to subscribe to the Happy Marketer Connection podcast on iTunes or Spotify or your favorite app. To learn more about community building, our Vesta solutions deliver community-powered marketing to elevate your digital presence, deliver predictive insights, and transform your consumers into lasting brand advocates. And I welcome you to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter at Sue Freck or find us at Vesta-Go.com. Thank you so much for listening.